Welcome to Mind Rolling. I'm Raghu Marcus. With and I'm my, David Silver. And I was trying to say with my very, very, very old, old friend. And uh, that is true. And we've been going on like this for, should we say? I mean, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? But well, it's, it's four decades. Four decades. I mean, some, maybe some people don't use the word decade anymore, so they don't know what that means. And so they don't think it's that long. But it's actually more than that. It's 42 years. And if someone had said to me that both of us would have actually been alive at this point, at, back then, <laughs> I would have argued vociferously. <laughs> mm. Anyhow. Anyway, we're here. And, and we're happy to be with you. And we're happy to know each other. And that's right. what, uh, you know, is a great thing to share. Um, David, I don't want to uh, go on too much about, you know, this uh, situation which is called advertisements, not a situation. It's a situation for us, and I, I couch it like that because we just have a hard time doing it. You know, it's ne- it's in neither of our nature. We're not really good salesmen. I mean, both of us are actually great salesmen, but not when it comes to pitching our own stuff. But we got to uh, do it, otherwise this is over. I mean, that's a bit melodramatic. Well, it is, yes. it's a bit <laughs> that's too melodramatic, but I was trying to you know, prelude, preclude or prelude the advertisements by saying... Well, we're please. following our... Gu- I have to mention our guru here. Duncan, yeah, but Duncan, Duncan. goes on for 25 minutes yeah. before. I mean, I, I, and, you know, Duncan. we we won't subject you to... Uh, and Duncan's a hell of a lot funnier. You know, he can make... And weirder. He can He can talk about his sponsors in ways that are, you know... Yeah, he brings, like, dead corpses into ads. I'm not sure the corpses <laughs> yeah. are, like, thrilled, you know. Are any of the, are there any other kind of corpses besides dead ones? Yeah, zombies, that's what he talks about, walking dead ones. I know. But we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about, you know, Amazon and Audible.com. Yeah, and the Amazon and, is the best thing. Can, I mean, absolutely yeah. the best way that you, can, you guys can support us is through Amazon because, by the way, my wife, this is, here, you want to hear good and bad news? My yeah. lovely yep. wife, Saraswati, yeah. who's happy birthday today to you. Happy, happy birthday. My love. And she told me, you know what? I went through the mindrollingpodcast.com Amazon link, the banner that's up there, and ordered. This is going to be great for you guys. You're going to get a big piece out of this. I said, wow, oh, that's great. What? How much did you order? She says, $500. What? You go, $500? But, but. <laughs> what did she get? I am not asking. Uh, that It's her birthday, okay? Oh, right, 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 right. Well, we'll yeah. get at least 50 cents out of Fif- it. No, we'll get a little bit more than that, probably. We don't get much, Roger. I'm serious. Right. Well, then that are... points, okay, well, I'd like to live in illusion. No, but, but we need volume. That means we need many more of you. We need you all to go through our go- wonderful no. link to Amazon so we can get a little, and it means absolutely nothing to you guys. I mean, it's just all, uh, it's all the same price that it would be under any circumstances going direct. Then, then, But, you know, here's where I learned something from Duncan. Bookmark that yes link that url yes. which includes us because when you do that 
uh, then you don't even have to think about it the next time you do it. Now, if that uh, talk about Audible because Audible is also great. Well, Audible.com is the the best audiobook company, and quite a few of the books that we refer to when we decide to be literate on this podcast are you know on Audible.com. And if you uh, go and buy uh, them through a banner, a portal on our website, um, we get money. And there, and this is what I want to say. There the are free trial book. thing. Right. And the, yeah, there's a free trial for a month where you get a free book. And it's worth it because you can always not do it again if you don't want to. But if it's a book you love and you just don't feel like paying money for it, you can get a free trial. And the thing is that um, they, they do pay us. We've received checks from them. They're very honorable and they're nice people, actually. I and they've got them. a great catalog. Uh, they're amazing. You know, it's wonderful yeah, yeah. to sit yeah. in your car and be, you know, especially if you drive long distance or if you work in your garden, you put on the book. And they put yeah. on our podcast, hopefully, too. Um, yeah. and, and otherwise, you can just, there's a donate thing. You can just donate. We have a store with, with a couple of mugs and some T-shirts, which we're going to hopefully expand upon. Yeah, the T-shirts are really nice, and we want you to buy them. Because the maroon one, for instance, you know, which is, you know, dark burgundy maroon Krishna Das red, um, is just beautiful. <laughs> it's just beautiful. And you should buy it. Men, women children even for your larger dogs uh just get the t-shirts the mug which is uh entitled mug your mind it's worth it just to have that little pithy phrase on the side of a mug that you can drink coffee out of which so please, mr silver thought up yeah mug all your on mind. his own mug your mind man stop that stultified mind stuff and free yourself okay and it, it will help if you have our mug okay so we've got amazon audible t-shirts mug Donation. And donate. The donate. Just button. donate. That's it. Should we stop there? Yeah, All that's right. enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, Dave just came back from vacation, so we're all a little giddy, and uh, I'm about to go on not what I would call a vacation on a retreat. I mentioned last uh, one of the last podcasts going to India. So, and and I'm intending. Can we do podcasts from India? If you I get your shit together, can. you could record me calling you from the Himalayas. We're gonna do that okay. because that'll, that'll right. be exciting for for people who listen to this. Yes, and for me and you, let's do. Let's try. Let's. Try. You, you, of course, when you get there, there will be a always, you know, a, a new set of circumstances for you to deal with. But after you settled, maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's get to today. Yes. Um, we wanted to talk about. You know, we've been drawing from the New York Times, which might seem counterintuitive, but they do have good articles there that are relevant to our whole thing. And Raghu found one called The Morality of Meditation, which was fairly recent, some summer, 2013. And it was by a man called David Destino. It's kind of hard to know how to pronounce that, so it could be Destino. But uh, anyway, he wrote an article, and it's about what he says is about the morality of meditation. That's a bit misleading. It's not about whether meditation does, makes you do good or bad things. It's more about what do people use meditation and yoga for, and are they appropriate, or who can say whether they're appropriate? So uh, I thought we'd just read a few pieces from it and then talk about it. Mm. So do you want me to read the first yeah, part? would you? Okay, the, the article starts by saying this. Meditation is fast becoming a fashionable tool for improving your mind. With mounting scientific evidence that the practice can enhance creativity, memory, and scores on standardized intelligence tests, interest in its practical benefit is growing. 
A number of mindfulness training programs, like that developed by the engineer Chade Meng Tan at Google, and conferences like Wisdom 2.0 for business and tech leaders, promise attendees insight into how meditation can be used to augment individual performance, leadership, and productivity. This is all well mm. and good. This is all well and good, he says. But if you stop to think about it, there's a bit of a disconnect between the perfectly commendable pursuit of these benefits and the purpose for which meditation was originally intended. Gaining competitive advantage on exams and increasing creativity in business weren't of the utmost concern to Buddha and other early meditation teachers. So, Raghu, yes. comment, please. Well, you know that uh, our very good friend, Mirabai Bush, who runs the... Uh, Foundation Contemplative Mind.org. And we had her on one of our podcasts, I think earlier this year, talking about mindfulness and talking about some of the work that she had been doing. In fact, she has uh, this, this gentleman from Google who's mentioned in here, uh, Chad Meng, is a friend of hers and they've done some of this work together at Google. And she, if you think back, she talked to us about um, how one of the programs that her foundation uh, worked uh, with, put together, was with the army, which I was like, whoa, you know, are we, so there, you know, she joked, you know, with us at that time saying, yeah, is this a, is this, a, you know, we can get a soldier way more focused so he can do a better job of killing more people. I mean, is this what we're talking about? And this well, is, she said, I mean, that's extreme. To be fair, she said, actually, the soldiers she taught were more likely to pause before they made a, a violent reaction, including shooting someone, if they were taught how to meditate and therefore had more presence of mind and were more grounded and centered. So she did say that. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Counter to that. But the joke is, does it make you a better killer? And this is kind of what he's talking about here, you know, when he's talking about competitive exams, do, being able to do better, be able to be a better CEO. You'd be a better, uh, you know, you'd be a financial guy on Wall Street and, uh, you know, work uh, for one of those, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs and be able to screw even more people, uh, in, you know, in a way, way more profitable way. I mean, so, I mean, I'm being extreme here, but that's what he's saying. That's not what meditation was all about. That, that I mean, when, the, when Buddha came up with these ideas, principles, and realities of what life is and how, how we can uh, understand ourselves and how we can have self-inquiry so that we can become who, you know, clear mind and so on. It was nothing to do with improving oneself. It was nothing to do with being able to get more focused to be, to be able to do a better job. It was, it was all to do with understanding who we really are. But on the other hand, you know, it's kind of like the yoga thing. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, when talking about it. I mean, I mean, yoga is in every town, even small towns, like Starbucks is, you know, it's similarly, I mean, you know, not quite, but there is seemingly a, uh, you know, a yoga center around every corner. And so a lot of people are going in there, and they're wow, this, you know, even athletes and so on, you know, geez, the big thing out there now is you're, if, you know, really being able to stretch out all of the ligaments and so on and so forth. So let's do yoga. 
So there's people that go into those yoga studios with, uh, and the connection they have to it has nothing to do with what the original from the Vedas concept of what yoga yeah, I mean, to quote for. your, I mean, Raghu, to quote your um, marvelous wife, Saraswati, she says in the video I saw of her, that, and she says it emphatically, that people who think that the practice of yoga is an external practice are wrong. She's quite, you know, it says it very clearly, that is it in fact an inner growth and, and, and practice. Right. And, yeah. uh, and I think she's true, but that doesn't, we still have to get through what 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 do we think is good? I mean, with Mirabai, for instance, she teaches mindfulness and helps people in very stressful situations deal with something in a better way. That's a little bit different from teaching mindfulness or yoga, for that matter, to the CEO of a hedge fund that has uh, been responsible for, for foreclosures and all kinds of weird stuff that's going on in society that's made people suffer. There's a distinction between using these techniques for the betterment of other humans and using it for the um, bullying mm. of other humans. And I think that's essential. Or, or enhancing your power, you know? I mean, yeah. that's basically what we're talking about. But if we go back a little bit to the, the, to the thing, there's a yoga center, uh, you know, around every corner and people go in, you know, for all the wrong reasons. I mean, they're not wrong reasons, but they go in there to improve their bodies in one way or the other. And feel better that way. But then suddenly, they hear a gong. They hear a meditation bell from another room even. They hear a chant. Krishna does, who is ubiquitous in yoga studios across the country. And and that does a little twist again. It, it, since we're it's my wife's birthday, and we'll we'll continue to talk about her, uh, and uh, and use her as an example because although she was uh, had been a, pr- a practicing for all matter a Buddhist and a doctor of Chinese medicine for many years before I met her, she was listening to the radio one day and just heard Krishnadas singing. And that led her on a path, a completely different path through, obviously, bhakti yoga, meeting Ramdas, and and all of that. Anyone who goes into these centers can absolutely, one little thing can put them in a place that they didn't come for, that they had no idea about. They were absolutely just ready in that moment to hear something outside of the reason that they came. So from this point of view, if you sit down and, and, and you know, you learn about mindfulness, what is it? You know, it's, it's about awareness. It's about, but where does that awareness originate from? It's a different place than your thinking mind. And if, if that concept's introduced to you, who knows what can happen? Even to, you know, uh, Lord Blankfein of uh, Goldman Sachs. I mean, who knows what can happen to anybody, no matter what walk of life they are in, and now, no matter how unaware, no matter how uh, they, you know, uncompassionate that they are, uh, no matter how much self-interest is there, if there's one tiny 
little thing that just leverages them enough out of there, I think it's, you know, it's it, it doesn't have to do, he's right, it does not have to do with the original concept of meditation, or, or we're talking about yoga. Well, well, yeah, but, yeah I mean, but, if, if we're talking, sorry. No, no, I'm just saying, even though it does not have, this little wake-up, let's say somebody goes in there and they get this tiny little wake-up call that leads them out of their uh, their thinking mind, out of their identification with their ego for just a millisecond, that to me is well worth uh, intro- you know, this being introduced in a, in a very, very wide manner, as yoga has been. I, I mean, you and I both know tons of people, I am sure, that have started, went to yoga because it was either just a thing to do or they wanted to get their bodies together and suddenly something else happened. I mean, they come to ramdas.org all the time, you know, which I'm involved with. So I, you know, I, I think it's a plus. I think that at the same time, though, that people's concept of meditation being something that will get them somewhere, hopefully that gets... Uh, shot down at some point. Well, I think it does as they progress. You know, I, as a matter of fact, I think people who are doing yoga now in their twenties are a little beyond that thing of twenty years ago uh, in Los Angeles and New York. That was my experience. Uh, I think a lot of younger people now do know pretty quickly, uh, and this is just from working and talking with them, uh, that you know it, this inner journey is is really what it's about. I mean, just so that we know, but I mean the Buddha. At the basis of everything he talks about, the function of meditation is about, you know, all human life is suffering. And all suffering is caused by human desire, you know, and particularly the desire uh, for things to be permanent when they're impermanent. And then the human suffering can be ended by ending human desire. And then mm-hmm. desire can be ended by following the Eightfold Noble Path, etc. He was really, I think, discussing how to uh, become detached from, as you said before, the uh, identification with this body and with this incarnation and moving towards uh, the understanding that impermanence is the only thing that runs through our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Not one second is like any other second. And that it eventually, uh, the Zogchen people say things like, you know, birth and death are simultaneous. We think that, you know, there's a long line going from birth to death and eventually we'll die. But, you know, because it always happens to everyone, it's always instantly true. So I think the really deeper function of meditation is to teach you to try and reduce karma in your own world and as best you can and move on to a, a deeper uh, sort of immersion in the ultimate, the ultimate, the ineffable, and that which gives us the ability to be kind to all others because we know that uh, this life is... You know, and, and all of that. But I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that, but I do actually believe that. And Well, I, I, have, I have to counter you know, the definition there of meditation a little bit in terms of getting rid of karmas. I don't know anything about that. But I would say that what it does, it, it gets us into a habit, a habit of getting an understanding of, of, of clarity, a clarity of, of, of a um, 
what the Tibetans call, you know, pure, clear mind. So that you, and that habit, the more that you do it, the more you're identifying with something other than your thinking mind. I think that's tremendously important. And it, and there's many phases of meditation, and obviously one of the most important, and mostly what they talk about here, is uh, one-pointedness. Actually, Maharaji said, you have to be one-pointed, have one-pointedness before you can see God. And he said it, you know, in, in, in a most simple way. So, well, I mean, but, but isn't that getting rid of karma? I mean, like, instead of meditating in order to get a better deal, uh, you're meditating to get rid of all deals and all doing. And, uh, you know, that what, what, what happens when you get into, as you said, the habit of meditation, the practice, is that eventually things that you thought were important and that really ruled your life, hmm. uh, you begin to understand that they're not important because they're all going away. Goodbye. And that, you know, that might sound severe, but hello, if you can argue with that, it, we, obviously life goes on and we, we have... Uh, and you continue of, to create karma. I mean, that's what I mean. You, not, the karma is not, as long as you have a body, mind, yeah, but you you're going to create... Yeah, and, and it's, you, Don't you, in fact, you know, get into a still place uh, if you do it regularly and, and, and the, the anxiety type karma and the, the, the avarice type karma and all those things that we all have can dominate your life and, and kind of ruin your life and make you unhappy and ill and meditation can... So in that sense, it is actually a lively thing. It's not just all about, you know, the meaning of mortality or something. It's about enjoying this life for what it is and uh, not being dominated by this neurotic ego fixation mm -hmm. stuff, which, you know, we all have. Can I tell you about my first meditation experience? Y uh, yes, if it's, if it's, um, if it's, yes. If it's nice, yes. <laughs> nice. You know, like it didn't make you crazy or something, right? Uh, whatever it is, it's fine. All I, right, I, I, I went and I um, I got a mantra from the Transcendental Meditation Society. So did, so did I. That was my beginning also. That was your beginning? Okay. With From Maharishi, though. He gave it to me. Oh. Maharishi. He <laughs> yes, did. The hoity-toity get it direct from Maharishi. I, I got it from some schmohawk who got it from somebody who got it from somebody who maybe knew Maharishi. Okay, I, I wasn't a, as I fortunate as you. Him. That was the thing. When he first arrived in America, I filmed him at the airport. All right, well. And, and he gave me a mantra, which I Right forgot. at the airport. You at could have gotten Hare Krishna from the other people at the airport. Yeah, no, he was not Hare Krishna. But, <laughs> but anyway, we, we did the same thing. Okay, I'll shut up now. Anyhow, I, so I got this mantra, and she couldn't pronounce it. You know, all these mantras, they give it like Sanskrit mantras. But you're not supposed to tell anybody. Um, but uh, I'm going to tell you. You've done it before. You've revealed this before I on have? this mind-rolling podcast. Oh, you did okay. it on the first show. All right, well, then I'm not going to tell it again. No, do it again because people don't listen to the But all. it's nothing to do with anything. It ended right. up being Hanuman, you know, and they gave me some other crazy thing that I never understood it. But the point at which um, that I really want to make about my first meditation experience, so my girlfriend at the time, uh, she said, okay, you got to get this mantra. And so we went. I got the mantra. She already had one. And we were living in an apartment. It was kind of a tenement thing down in, you know, lower Montreal at the time. And um, we had the apartment next to us was uh, empty. We lived with like maybe six people, you know, commune thing. I mean, it was insane. But the apartment next door was empty. So we decided, let's meditate there and have our own quiet space. 
So we went in there, and we both sat at uh, opposite corners of the apartment to get space, I guess, and uh, started repeating our mantras. This is the effect that it had. Within two minutes and 30 seconds, we were we ripped off all our clothes. I knew it was going there. <laughs> I knew it was going there. I mean, I knew that's why I was dubious about this story. I know. I knew it was going there. What is the matter with you? I mean, you know, I, mean, I guess. I it improves, you know, I prove that it, it improves your, you know, sex life. Yeah. Uh, that's what meditation is really about. And it's uh, not. Don't listen out there. <laughs> okay, what's your first? Ex- I swear to God, that's my first experience oh. of meditation. And I'll tell you well, another I, one later. You know, obviously, I, 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 maybe I would have preferred that. But um, mine was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi at Logan Airport giving me a mantra and asking me to sit with my crew and me in a little room. Where the, you know where he was, and he sat on the table, and I, that was actually the very first time I really meditated, and it was very confusing because I was worried about my camera. It just showed you where I was at. I was worried about a cameraman and how much time we had and how much time we had with him. So I was kind of, you know, perturbed and disturbed through this meditation. Then my ex-wife Karen um, was very into meditation so she got me to meditate with her and we usually didn't end up ripping clothes off unfortunately <laughs> uh but you know to be honest i'm still trying you know when i hear that the his holiness you know meditates five hours a day and prays four hours a day or whatever you know i think about myself and it's like oh god i am doomed so i'm still <laughs> learning to meditate really and it's not the actual meditation when once i meditate i know how to do it in my the way that i love it's just making myself do it Hmm. And, and, you know, that's a big thing. And what I learned from uh, Hilda Charlton, uh, one of our early teachers, uh, was that meditate five minutes a day and you'll actually do it. Don't say you're going to start off with 40 minutes because you won't do it. Not to start, unless you're, you know, something very special. But most of us, if you say five minutes, you can fit five minutes. And if you can't, you're lame. So I have a book I, for you to help you. I'm, I want to help really? you. Really? It's called A Dummy's Guide to Meditation? Uh, not quite. No. <laughs> All right. This, this is another advertisement, but this but book, it's, it's, I'm, 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 I want to send you this book. We just okay. did a book with Ramdas. Okay, here we go. Yeah, flog it, flog it now. Polishing the mirror, a, a, uh, how to live. It's a how to live from your spiritual heart, and in that book, um, there's all. It's all methodology about how to be present in in the present moment which is what the ultimate of meditation is, how to just be. And one, the tip I'm going to give you, okay, is that this book was, we enhanced this book so that when you get it uh, through iBook, and we have no association with iBook, unfortunately, we'd rather you go to Amazon and get the Kindle version of this thing or the physical version, but we will say that iBook, the enhanced version, has Ramdas, for instance, leading different meditations. One is this Buddhist meditation that I am very fond of called Vipassana. And another is, is a bhakti spoken word meditation that he leads. There might even be three. I know that there's those two at the very least. And those are terrific ways 
to uh, to get an immediate base upon which you can do some meditation. Uh, you know, every day, and that is the key. I mean, David said it. it's very difficult, especially if you travel or you know you have to get at your job early in the morning. But uh, uh, d- doing it regularly uh, means means a lot. Now, I okay. Now we're getting like too uh, intensely pedantic about meditation. Although my little interlude, you know, probably helped a little bit. Um, do you have any kind of give us something about a meditative experience, for God's sake? Well, for me, you know, on the the most regular occurrence is a very effective and quick diminution of obsession. You know, I have obsessions, and um, <laughs> you do. I do, yeah. And but there, you know, there. Can you name one aside from that stupid soccer thing? Well, I don't think about soccer when I'm meditating. Okay. But what does come up is, you know, um, ripping clothes off. No. 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 Oh no, no, that passes through the, <laughs> the, the lower chakra. But no, I, I stuff about anxiety stuff. Mm. And the great thing is that what the great teachers, and they're very simple when they say, well, when that comes up, you know, you just let it go through and don't fight with it and don't hate yourself for it. It'll go away if you just ignore it, basically, and go back. Keep coming back, keep coming back. And what I'm learning... To the one point that you are, that's the beginning practice. Yeah, and and it has all kinds of planes, you know, of consciousness, uh, whereby sometimes if you meditate regularly enough, you find that during the day it permeates your day. So that in a moment of reactivity later, when you may be uh, pissed off at something or angry or impatient or whatever, uh, that meditation in the morning will come sort of back into my heart and, and I'll, it, it affects the, the, the day. Mm-hmm. So its effect is not only sort of existential, but it's also pervasive in the, the day. And because I'm, 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 I think, a very uh, sort of impulsive and nervy type of person, you know, and always thinking and et cetera. It just stops that eventually mm. and, 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 it me- and sort of fuses me into the whole deal. And I realize that I'm not separate in any case. And why do I care about whether, you know, whether I'm going to get somewhere in time on that plane or that train or something or whether my, you know, whatever. Right. Now, does it help? Well, like when my younger daughter was really ill, um, you know, some years ago, um, I was just uh, beside myself, but in the hospital at, at Mass General in Boston, I was there for days, and yes, I meditated. Once I got used to the idea of being there and was not quite as freaked out, I meditated and found myself in a still place, and uh, it really helped. There's not, and I wasn't really praying, to be honest. I meditate when I pray. I mean, like our friend Danny says all the time, he wish he could meditate, but every time he can't meditate, he prays. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... It's a form of meditation. It's a form of meditation. There's no doubt about it, yeah. I mean, it's all good for me, I can tell you. There's nothing, I mean, there's no, it's only improved my life in every way. And I wish I were more, um, you know, I wish I did it more. Can I tell you a, a counter to the to the uh, first meditation experience I had? Yeah, I wish you would do that. thought was lewd yeah. or something? Uh, <laughs> Dear me. So, I, you know, I kept... Uh, doing different meditations, repeating mantras, looking into a candle flame. Did the clothes come off on every one of these? Tea, uh, for a yeah. while there with that girlfriend, yeah. It was hey. good. That, you know. Um, 
so then, yeah, no, it's all good. Then came meeting Ramdas, and and of course in those lectures he did, which is uh, some of these form the basis of this new book, those concepts which were in Be Here Now. So there was more idea about what meditation really was, but honestly. My only experience of it was sort of fighting these thoughts, you know, because at the time I I didn't really know what to do and how to deal with it. And it was just more like thoughts would come, you get lost, then, you know, 10 minutes later you're like, holy shit, what have I been doing? Uh, or, or, you know, like you say, anxiety, which is in your body, and it's not just thoughts, it's emotions, and you're dealing with that as well. So I had uh, really no understanding of what meditation really was no real experience it was all you know flashy stuff and of course when i met ramdas things became more real but meditation wasn't part of that at that point then i we went to india i met maharaji nim karoli baba and soon after i met him he sent us up to uh, further up into the himalayas to a place that was like, you know, I don't know, 75 miles as the crow files fly, flies to the 28,000 to 29,000 foot peaks, Trishul, Annapurna, and so on and so forth. So uh, now before we went up there, and 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 months before, uh, I had been in India, but not with Ramdas and Krishnas and, and, and Ramesh and other crew, uh, who had been at a two-month Vipassana course and really became steeped in in substantial basic meditation practice um and uh they made an arrangement with one of the meditate buddhist teachers to come up to this place up in the himalayas that we were going to and they um and and we were going to have uh or they had arranged kind of a meditation camp up up in the himalayas it was sounded fantastic now just a few of them and there was four or five uh, ramesh krishnadas anyhow so, uh, and Ram Das. So, Maharaji, after a week or two of being with him, or a month, something like that, said, go with Ram Das up to go meditate up in the mountains. So, okay. But I remember Krishna Das, wait, if he hears this podcast ever, he won't. <laughs> he says to me, you can't come. I go, what do you mean I can't come? Well, you don't have this Vipassana meditation. You weren't at the course. You don't know what to do. I said, I'll learn what to do. I'm not, not I'm going. You can't tell me not to go. Who the shit are you? And we had a little, our first little. Uh, first of many. Fisticuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, anyhow, but. Uh, did I, you go? You did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I just went. No. <laughs> Terrible. Um, Ramdas, of course, was also not happy to have all these other people because it was <laughs> me and another guy named Balaram were going to be sent up there, uh, Maharaji's. And then we get up there, and every day new Westerners come to see Maharaji. This is in June of '71, and and he goes, "Oh, go! Ma- Ramdas is having a meditation course. Go with, go hang with Ramdas." <laughs> so every day a bus would come into this town, and these Westerners would get off the bus and Ramdas, where do we go? Anyhow, so we had this whole scene. But in the very beginning, when it was just a few of us, we lived in a house on top of a hill. I mean, it was extraordinary that you just walked, you know, 50 feet up 
another little hill, and those mountains were right in front of you. Talk, you didn't need much more than that as far as meditation was concerned. Oh. But anyhow, uh, Ramdas gave me some basic Vipassana instruction, which is just following the breath at the end of your nose. And as you, just your natural breath, feeling the in-breath and the out-breath as it passes through the nostrils and you just focus on that feeling. And then whenever you realize that you are lost, you just let go and bring, just like a job, bring it back to that feeling of the air going in and out of the nostrils. No forced breathing whatsoever. That is the basic meditation um, practice, uh, to me the most simple, to be able to get at least one point. Without getting one pointed, nothing can happen. Anyhow. The interesting thing was to make uh, to go on with this story is that we meditate we had this house but there was a cow shed next door to it that we turned into a meditation cave so to speak and we had been told by the townspeople that that was the place in the earlier part of the, the last century where a great siddha named you know uh, a completely realized being named Haryakan Baba had meditated oh, in this yes. place, okay? Yes, yes. And Haryakan Baba would, is like Maharaji, is like Ramana, Ramana Maharshi and so on. Uh, Shirdi Sai Baba, we're talking about an accomplished Siddha. Yes, a Siddha. A level a, who, who is a, a not, real one. Yeah, not living, uh, is living in the formless, but still has a body. Did, That's you, what did you know that before you moved into the cow shed or, or not? We knew that, yeah, we were told when we went there and got the house, oh, by the way, that is the place, because he was in that area. He, he left his body, died in 1919 or so, it's right around when Shirdi left, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So yeah. we were told that. It didn't mean that much to me because I didn't know who he was. Okay, he was a saint. And the first time we go into this place, this cow shed, okay, and I focus on my breath going in and out, suddenly my whole consciousness changed. My body felt like someone had put a bunch of lead weights in my body, and I couldn't move. I liked that. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. Never mind, I wasn't trying to do anything. I just, then just this euphoric thing of like not having that body. Yeah. And then, and the first thought I had is, oh my God. When, when I was started to come back in, when I was eight years old or something, I had the same experience a couple of times when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that. I remembered this crazy experience when I had as a child and then suddenly I had this experience in this shed where Hari kind of meditated and sitting there with, you know, Ramdas and, and my, my other buddies. And then I understood what true truly what meditation is and mm. what can happen. And um, you know, it's just an experience and it is not what it's about. But of course experiences give you the uh, enthusiasm. To, yeah, to go forward, especially when you yeah. are feeling shit, and you don't want to do it, or you're tired, or whatever, and and it is a good idea to to if, when it becomes a habit, and unfortunately it has for me over the years, um, 
And it's not a matter of getting anywhere or going anywhere. It's a matter of just being able to be completely present with yourself. Yeah, and I, mean, I think it's really important. Anyhow, I, that's that was a I real think, beginning anyway, for me. We should emphasize, you know, that like if you're if you just can't do it, but you can do kirtan. Well, hello, that's what kirtan is yeah, for. Repeating too. the mantra. You know, and and if you can't do that, you do something else. I mean, quite honestly, the closest I can come to any kind of identification with what you just said was when I, I did um, worked with Native American Bruley Sioux peyote masters in South Dakota in 1973. Mm. And spent a lot of time out there and did the real ceremonies with hundreds of, of Native Americans. And after uh, a 12-hour session of uh, ingesting over 30 buttons of peyote, and anyone who's done it knows what I'm talking about, uh, the, the medicine man uh, in the morning, you know, made us meditate, which was hard because everything was glowing and moving and living and that vision of all things live that you have with that particular medicine. They said, no, meditate, you know. And so we did all meditate. Hmm. There were hundreds of us. And that was, I, I, I almost couldn't handle it because I realized that this body, this separation, this identification was, was no longer with me, you know. It wasn't a question hmm. of like, no, it just wasn't there. Right. And and if I looked to the farthest reaches into the on on the reservation where I was, even if I was looking a mile away, I could feel like I knew that tree a mile away, you know, mm, wow. because I was, and that got me going. Because I mean, I, I wouldn't even mention that, but what you just talked about that happened to you in the cow shed, um, you know, that's that happens with meditation. But Ramdas talks about planes of consciousness not the only person that does that, but he's talked about that a lot. And it means a lot to me because I can identify with that part of meditation where sometimes you meditate and an entirely different thing will happen to the one you did yesterday. And by the way, if you, if you, my feeling is, I don't want to get obsessive, but I'm going to. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon Salzberg and Pema Chodron, Mirabai Bush and Siltrim Alioni, who's coming up in a future podcast, if you just read any books by these women or go and see them, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, that's what they're really good at communicating, is how coming back and having no expectations, but keep coming back after you've failed and have no judgment on the failure not to be able to meditate, that that process in itself, therein lies, you know, um, some form of liberation, at least in that moment. Mm -hmm. But these women are, these women teachers, and of course there are many men teachers, but I happen to you know, obsess on them because they work for me. Mm. And by the way, you can get their books and whatever on Amazon and so on. I don't want to cheapen this little statement because I'm serious. They, Sharon is just really good at teaching people, me, uh, how, to, how to not have expectations to begin with in, in meditation and how to have a sense of humor about it and know that this miraculous force within us will return us to the meditation as soon as we let it. Uh, we talked about Vipassana meditation, and um, I want to tell you that after that experience, sometime later, I decided, geez, I should go to a Vipassana. It's a 10-day course, and I went to Bodh Gaya, where the Buddha was enlightened under the Bodhi tree, and uh, got another big grace there, because I got there, and 
I was looking for a place to stay because I got there before the course was to start. And they said, here's a, they're the best guest house in town is such and such. And I went up there and I, I, I said, oh, great. We can check in. And we checked in for a couple of days. And they said, yes, His Holiness the Dalai Lama was just in the room you're in. So <laughs> I, I started, I still didn't, you know, at that point I had, you know, I had, I had, I had, had that experience and I, I was, so I sat in that room and meditated for two days before I went to the course, you know, with His Holiness's vibration. I mean, that was just incredible. People, Raga, Raga, people out there listening to this are going, you know, Raga is like, okay, he was in a room where there was a, a true Siddha Harikam. And then he was in a room where the, his holiness was. It's not exactly typical of my life. I'm living in, you know, I, in Western Australia. I okay, we, we have, say this all the time when people yeah. say about you met Neem Karoli Baba. These people who met Neem Karoli Baba were the worst. And in India, they're called Badmash, wicked people who needed to be hit over the head by, you know, having that kind of a being right in front of you or else, you know, because tons of people I know who never <laughs> went there and never met any, they, you know, they have as much connection, faith, yeah. and substantiality yeah. as anyone else. Anyhow, I went to yeah, the so, course. So if I, your guru is Russell Brand, don't You're worry. in trouble. You're don't really worry. You're in trouble. trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, by the way, people, go see Kumari if you want to see a funny thing about a guru. K U M A R E. You can get it on Amazon. Here <laughs> we go. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, I went to the course, so I had to try the course. I went to the course, and you mentioned it before. One of the, certainly one of the outcomes th- uh, of uh, of the habit of meditation meditation is a true grokking understanding of impermanence. Right. Oh yeah. So the teacher, whose name was Gowenka. Many, many people have uh, taken that course with him over the years. He's still alive. Um, he talked, he would give Dharma talks at night. I mean, we meditated like 14 hours a day. It was insane, right? Um, and so as you do, and when you do it that intensely, and by the way, if anybody wants to really get a substantial practice of meditation quickly, not trying to do it five minutes a day, you know, for a couple of years and see what happens. Go to a meditation course. I would recommend this. Certainly, Sharon is is a, is a an entry point uh, through her. You can find her through her or whoever else to do a ten day course. So we're doing this thing, and so as you do it, tons of shit comes. It's kind of like being squeezed, and all this bullshit comes out. You know, sometimes it comes. I remember one person. They got, they had a bad tooth when they went into the thing, you know, but it wasn't that bad. Well, that thing abscessed this guy and he didn't want to go anywhere. His face was swollen like 10 times. He looked like some kind of freak finally going and told him to go to a dentist. Oh, Oh, he was in such pain and he was trying to make his way through it. Anyhow, so this stuff just comes out. So one day we're sitting in meditation, right? And it's just it was an afternoon. I think I was getting real dozy because, boy, talk about nodding. People are hitting each other, you know, <laughs> just falling over. And it's hot, too. And probably. it's hot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, we hear there was a woman, must have been about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet in front of me, starts to, uh, this, these sounds come out of her, loud, 
as <laughs> if she was having an orgasm, which she was. Uh, here obviously. we go. Again. I'm sorry to keep focusing <laughs> on the sexual aspects here, but no, what this was about was. She, her whole, you know, her second chakra opened up. I mean, they wouldn't call it that in the Buddhist thing. And she just like opened and she started and the whole room was going, oh my God. (laughs) And then suddenly you hear this pitched voice from Goenka with, he's, uh, he's an Indian with an Indian accent. And in English he went. And uh, the the word I'm sorry we missed the joke here. The word for impermanence in Pali is anitya, and we all knew this word because he had been repeating and talking about impermanence over and over and over and over and over. And then suddenly you hear this screaming orgasm, and the next thing you hear a pitched voice come over that and through that orgasm till it shattered, and it was anitya. He had a low voice. Anitya, he said it three times. That woman shut up in one second. It was gone. <laughs> That's great, the story. Only on Mind Rolling Podcast can you get, you know, stuff like this. <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, I, I'd never, I'd never, heard, actually, I had heard that. Before. That's amazing. By the way, what's going on here? How long, haven't we been doing this for a few hours now? <laughs> Uh, sure. No, I think we need to wrap our our, our little article thing. What is there oh, anything? Well, well, well at the I end, think, he, yeah, you know, Mister Mister Destino. If if you ever hear this, Destino, I'm sorry. Um, at the end, he talks about what he thinks. Uh, you know, meditation is is really about. So think about it in the context of a New York Times article. It says, meditation's documented ability to enhance attention which might in turn increase the odds of noticing someone in pain as opposed to being lost in one's own thoughts. My favorite explanation, he goes on to say, though, derives from a different aspect of meditation, its ability to foster a view that all beings are interconnected. And then he says at the end of the article... That's, and this is the most important thing. He says, the next time you meditate, know that you're not just benefiting yourself, you're also benefiting your neighbors, community members, and as yet unknown strangers by increasing the odds that you'll feel their pain when the time comes and act to lessen it as well. Which is really, in yeah. my mind, whenever I get down about, you know, just, you know, we've had a lot of uh, troubles with David and I, with friends and my own family and so on and so forth. Recently. In recent months. Yeah. And I just think there is no other reason for us to be here except to help you, except to help each other. There just isn't. And and this comment is, is probably the key. Mm. It's not about, you know, just getting yourself straight and then what? You know, you can live happily ever after. It just isn't about that. You know, it's about... The, as David talked about before, uh, and it's interconnectedness. That once we understand that, that anything we do, we it automatically will benefit everybody around us. And in there's a beautiful um, meditation that Sharon Salzberg does, uh, and and it's it's part of the Vipassana tradition, and it's called uh, loving kindness meditation. And she takes people through different. Uh, 
consecular, no, that's not the right word, circles. So the circles go out and out. What's that called, Dave? Uh, like in a pond, rippling out? Yeah, yeah, just rippling out. I mean, that's the best the way. way to say it. But like you start with sending love to the people you naturally love, your parents, your siblings, your wife, your children, and then you go out from there to friends. And then you go out community, people that you just bump into in stores that, that you might remember or vendors or whatever it is. And then greater than that to your to the state that you're in that has you know many of the political figures that you may not agree with and, and then take it out further than that, people that you really have a hard time with. And you're working at it from the presence of having sat in your uh, and, and gotten clear and then are sitting from a heart space and sending that out from that space. And it's a tremendous exercise. In fact, the, she runs retreats that are completely centered on uh, loving kindness. You can find more about her, her on Sharon Salzberg, S-A-L-Z-B-E-R-G uh, dot com. And uh, both of us are, are huge fans. In fact, can, I'll, can I get another plug in, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Sharon Salzberg is coming to my little town, Asheville, North Carolina, under the auspices of the Love Serve Remember Foundation. And uh, it's October 11th and 12th. Anybody wants, come on down if you're nearby. And you can go to ramdas.org and find more information out about it. Yeah. I just wanted to, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I used to carry it in my wallet. And it's by someone I think called Philo of Alexandria. Hmm. And the, the quote is this. Be kind, for everyone you know and see is fighting a great battle. And, you know, be Beautiful. kind. yeah, Because everyone you know and see and everyone is fighting a great battle. And I remember on many occasions when Krishnadas would... Um, do a particularly beautiful kirtan. He would often end. With, he would end with a prayer of kind, but he would emphasize in a very non-pretentious kind of way. You know, just be kind. And when you think about it, Sharon Salzberg and many of the other teachers teaching metta uh, are basically saying that it's a it's a process. It's not just like be kind, snap your fingers, and you're kind. It's a practice, but it is the it's the what do they call the word is corollary. Mm. Corollary, the ultimate end of all of this, isn't it? You just said that. I'm just repeating it. You just said, you know, being of help to others, I don't know, when you get old, you sort of realize that a lot better. But a lot of very young people I know are very kind, including 12-year-olds and, you know, so... You're I, old. I, You're well, old. Young, I'm not yeah. old. You're old. Well, I'm... I you am told me years, before you're going to be I'm, really old. I'm two, old, two years older than you, and, uh, you know... Uh, it's all a state of mind. Well, those who listen to this can understand that, because obviously I am the mature... <laughs> of the two. I'll agree with that. Uh, okay, maybe we're not. End. We, In we certain... have to end, right? Okay, we're going to end already. You want to get off? Why do you want to get no, off? No, I don't. I don't have to go to the I wanted to say. <laughs> Let's go on, you know, but people are just driving their cars. Yeah, and they're going, and enough of this. They're, yeah, yeah, they're not driving from, you know, New York to, like, Chicago. By the way, His Holiness's thing, and, you know, I bought the, uh, it's a bumper sticker thing that he says kindness is my only religion. Yeah, let's, let's end on that yeah. note. Um, okay. Again, whatever you guys can do to support us out there, we would love it. It uh, 
It does take energy, time, and money to put this stuff together, so we need some help. And Yeah, and also, those of you that go via SoundCloud or, uh, SoundCloud or iTunes together, go to our website because we've uh, recently oh, changed yeah. it. And on the website, you will see a description of the current uh, one, you know, the current podcast, but also the archives of them. But we've also now including a blog, which we write uh, as often as we can. Terrific so, so, blog, by the way, guys. Uh, and I have to hand it to David, to his this last blog that's up there. And, uh, you know, this, just please do check it out. Or if there's a the new blog. one up, by the time you get there, just you can go back in the inventory of it or the whatever. Okay. Uh, okay, good. Good. Great. That was good. Yes, love it. Well, see you next week. Okay, ciao. Mindrollingpodcast.com. <laughs>